If this is your uh, first time with us before we jump in, uh, first, second, third time, or if you never filled out a card in your seat in front of you, something's called a connection card, and we just ask that you would fill that out, let us know a little bit of information about yourself, and if it is your first, second, or third time with us and you never filled out one of these cards and let us know that you came to visit us, fill that out, and then in the back where it says next steps, you can receive a free gift from us just for us to show that we appreciate that you joined us. We understand that there are plenty of places in the Tri-Cities area for you to worship. I might be partial. I think we're one of the best. And so we are glad that you chose to join us. If this is your first time with us or if you're here last week, my name is Lamar. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, before we get started, let me just say thank you for being so generous to allow my family and I to just take a little bit of a vacation. Uh, so we took the kids down to Orlando. We had a great time. It was super hot down there. It was like that, I want to get right with Jesus hot. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> like, I need to know the Lord because I can't go downstairs. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is, if it's going to be anything like this, I want to know him for myself. <laughs> but we're grateful to be back. Let me just say, can we just give God some praise for the message that Jamie preached <laughs> last week? Uh, it was so good, I listened to it three times. And so if you uh, haven't got a chance to listen to that message, we, we are in a series called This Is Us. And sort of some of you have seen the television show This Is Us, um, some of you maybe not. And so I, 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 I recommend it. It's, it's a great show. And the reason why we decided to title this series This Is Us is because as you watch that show, uh, if you're into that, as you watch the family and all the intricacies of being a family and all the ins and outs, there's a couple of things that hold them together no matter how difficult things get. And it's because they have this core set of values about what it means to be family. And so the reason why we're doing this series is because we're giving you, as a church, our core set of values. There are six things that are on the banners behind me that Tri-Cities Church holds dear as values and all throughout the ins and the outs of the church, because the church is a family. You can even read in the book of Acts, the church was not perfect. There was messy people trying to figure out this whole following Jesus thing. But the one thing that held them together was they had a set of values that they always went back to. And so for us, there are six things. And I really appreciate what Jamie did on last week as he kicked off the series talking about our core value of diversity. Such an awesome message. And so if you don't, uh, if you haven't listened to it, I'm going to do this. Uh, you can pull out your smartphone if you own a smartphone. I promise the usher's not going to take it away from you. And you can go to your app store and search Tri-Cities, T-R-I-Cities Church in your apps, in your app store. Download it for free and you can get notifications about what's going on at the church. You can find the church calendar. There's a Bible reading plan, but you can also go on and listen to all the messages that are preached. And it's a great tool for you to keep in touch with what's going on here. So you can do that right now. So last week... Jamie talked about diversity. It's one of our core values. It's not just for diversity's sake. We do it because we really believe that if you look at the biblical text, it says that in Revelation that there are all tribes and nations and tongues and languages worshiping around the throne. So I tell people, if you have a hard time getting along with me here, heaven is a longer time. So we need to get used to being around people who are different from us down here because when we get up there, it's forever. And so we, we love the, the, the diversity value here, but I want to talk this morning uh, on, our, on our diversity, not diversity, but generosity value. And so I'm going to give you a heads up. Um, there is going to be some talk about money. 
because I know how that is. So let me just say this up front. I'm going to just address the elephant in the room uh, because I know that for some of us it's difficult. I want to acknowledge that because there have been times, truth be told, where there are churches and pastors and evangelists and preachers who have taken advantage of people. And so I acknowledge that. But at the same time, Jesus still talks about being generous. Jesus still talks about giving. He still talks about doing. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you knew this. Jesus talks more about possessions and what to do with them than he does about heaven or hell. And that's because I believe Jesus understands that in this world, the number one competition for our affection and attention to God is our stuff. And if we can somehow learn how to give that over to God, then the number one thing that competes for our love for God is the stuff that we want and the stuff that we own. And if we can learn just how to be generous, then we can live this life that God wants us to live. And and I really believe this, that everyone has a goal to do good, to have good, and to be good. You heard me say this before, that I don't believe that you got up this morning, took a shower. Some of you, this is the only day you have off. You didn't do all that to come to church so your life can be worse. Like, I'm under the assumption, so I have the mic and you don't, so I'm just going to assume for you that you're here because you want to do better, that you want to get the most out of life. And what I have discovered and what I'm going to share with you is, and I'm going to give you the punchline up front. You'll hear it several times. Here's what I discovered. Getting the most out of life doesn't start with getting. If you want to get the most out of life, if you're here because you, you want to follow Jesus and you believe that Jesus doesn't just make life better, he makes you better at life. If you want to get the most out of life, can I just give you the punchline up front? Getting the most out of life doesn't even start with getting at all. Getting the most out of life starts with giving. If you want to get more out of the life that God has given you, it starts not with getting, but starts with giving. And I learned this because, uh, like most of you all, when I was younger, um, okay, I'm lying, even a couple years ago, (laughs) one of my primary goals was, you know, this is just family, just us, so we can be honest, right? One of my primary goals, and probably you too, was to get rich. You know what I'm talking about, right? Like, I just... I want money. Don't act. Oh, see, y'all acting real holy like you don't want money. You know, we, we, we're the type of people who want to act like we don't want more, but you know you want more. And that was like one of my goals is like, you know, I want to be rich. I want to I want to get rich. But the problem is they did a study and they asked people, uh, what do you think is rich? So they asked people in certain income brackets. They said uh, for these people in this income bracket, What is rich? Define rich. And so the people in the lowest income bracket says, well, if I can be just in the bracket above me, I can be rich. And then they asked the people from that bracket, well, what's rich to you? And they said, well, the people who is in the income bracket just above me, that's rich. If I can just get that, I'll feel rich. And then they asked that group on the income bracket, who's rich to you? They said the the one of them. And they continued to do that study all the way up to people who literally had three, four million dollars said that if I could just have five, six, seven or eight or nine million, I'd be rich. And what that tells us is that rich is relative. It's this ever moving line that some of us have been chasing for our entire life. And can I just be honest with you? It's hard to get rich because even when you get blessed, it's hard to know that you're blessed because you're always looking at who has more. That's the problem with the whole 
prosperity gospel, and that's the problem with trying to get rich because when God does bless you, come on now, some of us, you remember when you had a certain income bracket, you said, if I just go to school, get education, and I'll have more, if I just made this much amount of money, I'll be cool. And then when you got there, you found out it wasn't cool at all. As a matter of fact, I was having a conversation uh, with someone, they were talk, we were talking about um, child care, uh, and they were saying, you know, child care is this much, and I used to believe that, you know, once our kids got out of child care, we'd have X amount of money, and I find out that that's not true because they're going to go on to something else that you got to pay for. And I always thought if I just got there, I'd be rich. If I just had this much, I'd be rich. Can I just tell you, getting rich is hard because we don't even know when we've been blessed. And so it's hard to live a life of generosity because most of us, like me, we don't even really know what the line is. That's why uh, I, I love uh, this part of, of my story that I, I just want to share with you before we jump in the text because um, there, there was a, a time several years ago when my wife and I uh, were first married and we didn't have any children. And um, so long story short, I had lost my job. Uh, she had lost her job. And we were living in an apartment, and it was time for us to renew the lease. And, and you know, uh, we got a problem because neither one of us got a job. <laughs> and we can't move anywhere else because we don't have verification of employment. But let me just show you how God works and how this generosity thing works. That, long story short, there was this organization I found out about um, that they did ministry in apartments. Some of you heard of it. It's called Apartment Life. And so we applied for that position and on the day that we did a final interview, uh, the guy talk, took us in with one of the directors, and they loved us, and we had an interview. And, and the guy says, well, you guys, your, your lease is getting ready to end uh, pretty soon, isn't it? I was like, uh, yeah, tomorrow. <laughs> and they said, well, here's the keys. You can move in to apartment. Now, let me just tell you what happened. You didn't get paid uh, to do apartment life, but you got to live for free. And, and what that shows us is that no matter whether we're trying to pursue getting rich, that no matter where we are, because I'm sensitive to your situation, that here's what I believe when it comes to generosity, when it comes to trusting God, that I believe that no matter where you are, God has made a promise in his word that I'm going to take care of you. And so now I don't need to always think about getting rich because ultimately God says no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, no matter whether you can find two nickels to rub together. Okay, do I have any witnesses in the house where you've never had two nickels to rub together and somehow, some way, God has found a way to take care of all your needs? That's why Jesus says, give us this day. I don't know about tomorrow, but all I know is that I serve a God who will meet all of my needs according to his riches in glory. I don't need to be rich because I got a daddy who's rich. So I love that David said this. You all know, maybe you don't know this, but I'm celebrating a birthday on Wednesday. I think you got a birthday, too, on Wednesday, Karen. We both got a birthday. Um, so we're going to put our cash app on Facebook if y'all want to bless us. Uh, <laughs> y'all silly. Listen, so, so, so I love what David says. What he says about this, he says this in Psalm 20, 37, 25. He says, I was once young, but now I'm old. I want to amend that. Just, I'm just older. I'm not old. He, he says, I've seen a lot of things in my life. And most of us at some point in our life is going to have a struggle when it comes to resources. David says, I've had a lot of things in my, in my life that I've seen. I'm, I'm, I'm 
old now. I've got a gray beard, one translation says. He says, but here's thing, one thing I have never seen in all of my 41 years. He says this, I have never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. Some translations say, I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread. Why is that important? Because no matter where you are in life, David says, I've seen a whole lot of stuff. Here's one thing I've never seen. I've never seen people who are following God go without. You might not have what you want, but he says he'll supply all your needs. I'm a witness to that one day away from being homeless and given a free apartment to do ministry in. And why that's important? Because uh, I, I believe that we've got to make a shift if we're going to learn what it means to really be generous. Because let's be honest, rich can't really be defined statistically. Wherever you are, you think whoever has more than you is more blessed than you. Let's be honest, wherever you are, that's like that study, I think the top income bracket is the one that's above me. So, so here's what I want to present to you as a thought. If rich can't be defined statistically, then it must be defined spiritually. So I'm going to teach you, did I give you all my subject? I know I didn't give you one uh, when I turned in my notes, but here's, here's what I want to preach about this morning. Here's my subject. You can just pencil this in. I want to teach you not how to get rich. I want to teach you how to be rich. Not, not get rich because that's elusive. You can't figure out where that is and you don't even realize when God has blessed you what, what you've been praying for. So I don't want to teach you how to get rich. I want to teach you how to be rich. What are you talking about, Pastor? It's right here in our text this morning, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. Here's what Paul tells his young protege Timothy. He says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money which is so unreliable. Y'all know that message already. Like, I don't even have to preach that to you because you know that your money is funny and your change is strange, isn't it? That you got more month than you got money. Some of us, we want more money at the end of the month. Some of us got more month at the end of our money. He says, don't, don't trust in your money. That's unreliable. He says, their trust, watch this, should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. I like that because Paul is saying that, come on now, uh, I know that God wants us to be disciplined. I know God wants you to live a holy life, but God also wants you to enjoy your life. Have you ever realized that when God created the first man and woman, he put them in a garden called Eden, which literally meant paradise. God has always wanted you to enjoy your life. He says, but what I don't want you to do is trust the resources and forget about the source. He says, don't trust in money. He says, God will get you everything you need for your enjoyment. Verse 18, tell them to use their money to do good. And they should, watch this, here's my subject, be rich. Wait a minute. He didn't say you should get rich. He said you learn, need to learn how to be rich. How, how, how should I be rich, uh, Paul? He says, be rich in good works and generous to those in need always being ready to share with others. And by doing this, watch this, they will be storing up their treasure as good as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Paul says, listen, I know all of us got this issue when it comes to resources, and most of us, our goal, if we're going to be truthful, was to get rich. 
He says, but I don't want to teach you how to get rich because getting rich is too hard to figure out. Every time God blesses you, you want more. Every time you get to where you thought you should be, then you think that's not enough because there's somebody who has more than you. And we have defined whether or not we are blessed by looking at who has more. But have you ever wondered what would it look like if I define how blessed I am by looking at who has less? Can I just give you a startling statistic? And this is a couple years old, but a uh, startling statistic says that if you, if you will make anywhere as a total household income around thirty-four dollars to $36,000 a year total, you are in the top 1% earners in the world. That don't seem like a whole lot of money, but if you put it in context, if you look at everybody in the world, then come on now, we got to realize that we're more blessed than we think we are. And I'm not trying to make light of your situation because God has always promised to take care of all of your needs. But Paul says, here's the thing that I don't want to do. I don't want you to think this whole Jesus thing is about getting rich. Why? Because even if you could get it, you never know when you arrive and you'd always be dissatisfied with what God blessed you with. No, I don't want to teach you to get rich. I want to teach you how to be rich. So he says, here's what you need to teach them, Timothy. Teach those who are rich. When I first read that, I'm like, well, he ain't talking to me, so I can skip that verse. <laughs> He's talking to the person who got more money than me. But, but understand, it's, 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 it's instruction that he's given Timothy to preach to the church because what Paul is trying to do is to get us, watch this, to count our blessings. He says, don't teach them to get rich. They're already rich. I don't care where you are. God has already blessed you with more than what you deserve. Come on now. Does anybody here that knows that his grace is sufficient, that I've got more than I even deserve? I've earned. Come on now. Some of y'all not really passionate about that because, you know, right now you got a job that you didn't earn. You got money that you didn't have the degree for. Come on now. God has blessed you more than you let on. He says, so here's the thing. I don't want to teach you to get rich. I want to teach you to be rich. I want to teach you to live like you're rich. Live like you're blessed. He says, here's how you do it. Here's how you live like you're rich. He says, um, you, you got to learn that when you do these things, it'll help you to find true life. That there's something out there. I love how he says true life because it kind of makes a, a contrast between the life that I'm living when I'm never satisfied and content. I'm not saying don't continue to do your best and don't continue to provide for your family. But he says there comes a point in time in life where I become content with how God blessed me, where I become cognizant of the fact that I'm more blessed than I let on. He says when, when you live that way, then you're living true life. Anything outside of that is this life where you're going to always struggle because if your goal is to get rich, you ain't never going to get there. But if you learn how to be rich, you can live this true life. So I wanted to know, Paul, what are you talking about when you're talking about this true life? Because he says the goal is not to get rich, it's to be rich, it's to be generous, it's to serve those who are in need, it's to bless others as God has blessed you. So, Paul, what is this true life like? It's sort of a vague description. So I dug down into it, and the word that he uses there, here's a, a Greek $2 word, you can use this. The word that he uses there is zoe. It is the God kind of life. He says, that's the kind of life I want you to have. It is true life. It is the God kind of life. Well, what does that mean, Paul? Because that's not really 
helping me. It's basically three things that he says will happen when you learn to be rich and be generous. He says, you're going to have this God kind of life. Here's, here's the first thing that will always happen when you live this life of generosity. When you learn how to be rich instead of chasing getting rich. When you learn how to be rich and generous. He says, here's something that will always happen as a part of this true life. Number one, you will always have the essentials. That whenever you switch from trying to get rich to being rich, you will always have the essentials. I said this before, that you might not have what you want, but God has guaranteed you that you will always have what you need. He says, when you do life like this, when you're not just chasing money, but you're chasing generosity, you will always. I love it how Paul says this. He says that God will give seed to the sower. You read that scripture before. In other words, he says, when you have somebody who's constantly giving, God will also be constantly giving to you. Okay, I'm going to see how many old school saints I got in the church this morning that the church I grew up in, old Baptist church, used to say, you can't beat God giving. The more you give, the more he gives to you. That I don't care how much you think you can give, God can always bless you with more. God is interested in putting resources in the hands of those who have committed to a life of generosity. He he says, whenever you live this life, not of trying to get rich, but of being rich, you will always have what you need. That's why even when I sat there with my wife and knew that we were one day away from being homeless, you can ask, I wasn't nervous. Why? Because God promised that we will always have the essentials. I might not have the $2,000 a month apartment that I really wanted, the house I really want. But guess what? God found a way in the midnight hour to put a roof over our head, and we didn't even have a job to pay for the place. God will always provide all of your needs. That's why Jesus says when you pray, pray this. Give us this day our daily bread. God, I don't know about tomorrow, but can you take care of me today? Paul says, when you're generous, you will always have the essentials. You will never go out without the stuff that you really need. He says, that's, that's a true life. Here's, here's a second component of that. He says, not only will you have the essentials, but when you live this true life, your life will be, watch this, effective. That when you live a true life, not of trying to get rich, but of being rich, not only will you have the essentials, but your life will mean something. I don't know about you, but there's no greater tragedy and no greater fear that I have. If I would say I have any fear, it would be that I die and my life meant nothing. That I leave this earth and I would just be a footnote in history that nobody knew I was here, that nobody could say that I came in contact with him and he did something to bless my life. That my greatest fear is that I would have lived all these years on this earth, died and gone to heaven, and it was like I was never here. I don't know about you, but I want my life to be effective every day. I don't have any minutes or hours to waste. Every day I get up before my feet hit the floor, I'm praying, God, let me be effective. Let me be useful. Paul says when you're generous, your life will be effective. You won't be a waste of God's air and time and space. That people will come to know Christ because of you. That people will know who God is because of you. Here's the third part of the true life. He says your life will be, you'll have the essentials, you'll be effective. Here's a part that gets most of us hung up. That if you live this life of being rich instead of getting rich, he says your life will also be ethical. That's Zoe. That's the God kind of life. It's essentials, it's effectiveness, and it's ethical. I don't have to worry about when I go to bed at night. 
whether or not I cheated somebody into something. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all looking at me like you ain't never robbed Peter to pay Paul. Come on now. <laughs> Look straight ahead. Nobody going to know I'm talking about you. But come on now. Don't all of us, when it comes to money and possessions and stuff, don't we sometimes teeter the line between ethical and unethical? Should I do it? Should I not do it? Should I give? Should I hold it? What should I do? Should I help this person out? Come on now. He says when you give yourself over to being rich instead of getting rich, everything that you do, every direction that God will take you, everything that you use, the resources he's blessed you with, will guarantee you that you will get a good night's sleep at night. That I won't have to worry about whether or not somebody's going to call me trying to come and get my stuff because I've made decisions that were in line with not getting rich, with being rich. She says there's a difference. I don't want you to teach people to get rich because people who want to get rich are never satisfied. And can I give you another startling statistic? Statistically speaking, the more we make, the less we give. That's a fact. You can look it up. Statistically speaking, the more we make as income, the less we tend to give. That's because we don't know where the line is. And I want to get rich. And the more I want to stay rich, I start keeping what I have. Paul says, don't teach people to get rich. Teach them to be rich. Teach them to be generous. Teach them to have this God kind of life. Okay, so there's four things that I want to break down in this text, and then I'm going to give you some practical things on what it looks like, because Paul says to Timothy, I want you to teach them how to have this God kind of life. Here's what it looks like in real time. So you know you need, you're going to get the essentials, you're going to be effective, you're going to live a life that's ethical, but what does that actually look like, Paul, when I'm actually doing it in real life? Here it is. He says this, I'm going to read this to you again. He says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud, not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Can I just parenthetically pause? Because Paul is trying to say, don't just trust God with your soul. Trust him with your salary. That if you want to live this kind of life, come on now, you got to think about it. When I give my heart to Jesus, I'm saying that I trust you enough that you are in charge of my eternal destiny. That's, that's how my, and you mean to tell me that you entrust him with, with your soul, but you can't trust him with your salary? He says, teach him to be rich, to live this life where not only you trust God with your soul, but you trust God with your salary, that you're generous. He says, here's the first thing. Here's what it looks like. Verse 18, tell them, watch this, to use their money to do good. Okay, so I knew it was going to be quiet when I said that point. <laughs> like I preached this in my head at home. I said, when I say that, they're going to get real quiet. You know why that's a struggle for us? And I'm going to start with me. Because y'all know y'all pastor love shoes. Did you notice that Paul says, teach them to use their money, watch this, to do good, not look good. Oh, Oh, some of us, we got to go to the closet right now because we know I've been using all my money to look good. You know what I'm talking about, where I borrow money that I don't have. I use credit that I don't have, buying stuff I don't need, trying to impress people I don't even like. (laughs) Paul says, you want to live this life? Here's what it looks like when you're generous. Use your money, use your resources, use what God has blessed you with, not to look good, but to do good. I'm not saying don't have your swag on 100. And, you know, I like y'all like to come in and dripping with the extra sauce. You know how it is. <laughs> I like my Jordans and everything. But he says, look, your only concern in life when it comes to your resources shouldn't be how do I use this to look good? 
He says, you want to live this kind of life? Use your resources to do good. That God has blessed all of us, no matter where you are in life, no matter what your income level. He says, remember, it's not about getting rich because most of us, if we're going to be told, we're already rich. We've already been blessed with more than we deserve. He says, now that you're aware of just how rich you are, live like you're rich. Be a blessing. Use your money. Use your resources to do good. That's a value for us here at this church. So when we ask you, and, and I'm not the type of person or pastor who would get up here and ask you to finance the jet for the ministry. No shade, no shade on, I didn't say no names. Y'all stop laughing, y'all being silly. No shade. But what I am saying is that, that God has called us to be generous so that we can do good for our community. So that we can do good for this neighborhood and for those around us, so that we can do good for those who are in need, so that we can do things like the food co-op where people can come in and get two weeks worth of food so that they can make sure that they can feed their babies. When we ask you to give, that's the kind of stuff we're asking you to give for. Be generous so not that we can look good as a church, but so as a church we can do good. That's a value for us. We stand on that. We stand on the fact that our job in this city is not to ask the city to build our church. Our job as a church is to help build the city. So we want to do good, not just look good. Paul says that's the kind of life that you you need to live, that you use your resources to do good. Again, that is a core value for us as a church. I often tell people that I'm not going to ask you to give anything. Here's what I am going to do. I'm going to ask you to ask God what you should do. Because remember, Paul says in the New Testament, he says that you should give without compulsion. That, that's why we don't try to guilt you into giving anything. We believe standing on the word. We talk about tithing and offering. But, but here, here it is. Give because God has been good to you. I don't know your story. I just shared you just one of my many stories. You know why I try to be generous? It's because God has been more good to me than I can ever have been good to myself. That he has pulled me out of situations that I could have never pulled myself out of. That he's kept a roof over my head. He's kept, y'all see me, I ain't skipped no meals. God has made sure that we have always been taken care of. And while I can never repay God for the things that he's done for me, including giving us his son. Did you notice that God's expression of love is giving? Okay, some of y'all missed it. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave his son. One of the greatest expressions of love is to give. He says, just be generous. Give. Use your stuff to do good. We want to, as a church, we want to continue this value and even strengthen it and saying, let's, let's not try to look good. We, of course, we want the building and we want things to look nice. And we, but, but our job is not to look good. We want to do good. Number two, Paul says this. He says, not only should you do good, I'm still in the text. He says, but I want you to be rich in good works. So not only do I want you to do something with your money, but watch this. I want you to do something with your hands, do something with your talent, do something with your time, do something with the time that God has blessed you with. You know, I discovered years ago um, that the reason I waste time, maybe some of y'all have never thought about this. You waste what you have excess of. And the reason why I waste time and procrastinate is because I have more time than I say I have. Okay, so now I'm going to shine up my bowling ball. I'm about to bowl down your lane, baby. 
How many times do we say that we can't do something for God because we're too busy? He says, no, I don't want you to just do stuff because, can I just tell you something? There are those of us who maybe have more resources than others, and, and cutting a check is no big deal. Oh, I'm with you, Pastor. I can use my money to do good, Paul says, but there's another layer to that generosity thing. I don't want you to just use your money. I want you to use your time. Do something that's going to be a blessing to somebody else. you got more time than what you say. Can I just say this? Procrastination, this is going to bowl down somebody's lane. Just look straight ahead so nobody's going to know I'm talking about you. Procrastination is me having the arrogance to tell God, you owe me a chance to do what I should have did. Y'all just missed that. Let me rewind it. Procrastination and not doing what God has blessed me time with the time to do is me having the arrogance to say to God, God, you owe me time to do tomorrow what I should have did today. Yeah, sit on that for a second. I got time to be a blessing. I got time to serve. I have time to do something for God. And when I say I don't have time or when I say I'm going to do it tomorrow, I'm saying, God, you owe me the chance to do something tomorrow, what I should have been doing today. Paul says there's another layer. For those of you who, are, who have the resources and cutting a check is no big deal for you, don't just cut a check and throw money at the community. Spend some time doing good works. Then he goes on to say, and then I want you to be generous to those in need. Did you catch that? It's right there in the text. He says they should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. In other words, he's saying that as a church, as a Christian, my job should always be to look for those who are in need so I can be generous to them. I got another story for you, and I probably told this before. Um, we, last year, um, after starting our home in Atlanta, we, we just rented for several years, and then God blessed us to buy another home uh, in Noonan. And here's what's crazy, because God will always put something in front of you to see whether or not you're going to be generous. So, so some of you probably heard this story. So we just closed on the house. We didn't have anything in the house. The movers are coming. And I went, stopped by Publix just to get some Gatorade because it's hot and we're moving stuff. And I want, you know, the kids have Gatorade. And as I'm in the store, I'm walking, and a lady behind me says, excuse me, sir. And I turned around, and y'all know me, I have this thing where my facial expressions are always, you know, so apparently I look like I don't want to be bothered because she said, oh, you look like you don't want to be bothered. <laughs> and the truth was, I was kind of in a hurry, but I said, no, no, it's fine. How can I help you? And she says, well, um, you know, I'm, I'm shopping. And she had about five kids with her. She said, I'm shopping, and I, I really don't have a lot of money. I was just helping, wondering if you can help me out. And before I knew it, out of my mouth came Get whatever you need and meet me at the front. I'm thinking, <laughs> as I round the corner, I'm thinking, lady, if you just saw the, cut, the check we cut to buy this house, I should be asking you for money. I don't got nothing left in the account. Like when we put the down payment, that's it. We're eating ramen noodles for two weeks. <laughs> but it just came out of my mouth. And I'm praying the whole time, Lord, please let me have a You know how it is when you get around the corner. You... <laughs> Y'all acting like you don't know what I'm talking about. When you get to the line, you check it out. Let me make sure I got enough. <laughs> Let me move some money over before I swipe this card. <laughs> oh, you know how when you're praying and you're waiting and it has the little dots deciding whether or not you got enough money? <laughs> Here's how you know money is spiritual. Because some of your best prayers are prayed in between paychecks. Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Don't tell me it's not a spiritual issue because between the first and the 15th, my prayer life is strong, baby. <laughs> 
So she came to the front, and I, and I, I just heard God say as I was walking, he says, now, you spent almost 10 years praying if you could get back in the house again. Had to pay off some debt. A lot of things we had to, we had to fix. And he says, now that I bless you, I'm going to see if you're still going to be generous. Sometimes you don't have to look for people who are in need. God will place it in front of you just to see whether or not you are going to be obedient and be generous even as I'm blessing you. It wasn't even a couple of hours past us getting a new house. And God said, okay, now I'm going to see all that talk. We're going to put it to the test. And literally had to give her just about all that I had left in the account. But you know what I learned? God will supply all your needs. And when you live a life of generosity, you give because you understand that it's never been my responsibility to take care of myself. It's always been God's responsibility to take care of my needs. And so he says, your responsibility as it relates to taking care of needs is to be generous to those in need. And when you do that, I'll take care of your needs. So he says, I want you to be generous to those in need. Then he says, I want you to be ready to share with others. It's right there in the text. He says, and be ready to share with others, always being ready. So here's why I want to give you some practical things as we wrap up. Because when he says be ready to share, what Paul is saying when it comes to living a life of generosity, not just as individuals, but as a church, as our values, as we stand on as family, being ready to share means that I have some preparation and some planning to be generous. See, most of the time we're generous by accident. Well, Paul is saying that, no, if you want to live this true life, if you want to be rich, not get rich, plan to be generous. Don't let it be something that's an accident. He says, always be ready. Have a plan. What is my plan to be generous? A few years ago, actually, I think this is even before we have uh, children, my wife and I decided that we would have our own personal benevolence account. Ain't a whole lot in there. But we put aside money in addition to trying to help take care of our parents who are aging, put something aside so that if somebody ever needs something, we got a little pot of something. It ain't much. But here, baby, let me bless you. Here's $50. Here's $20. Here's, here's $30. Just put, it was $10. I started off as $10 a pay period. That's all I can afford. But we decided to make a plan. So when somebody needed something, we already planned to be generous. Paul says that's how you live a life of generosity, plan to be generous. So here's, here's, here's three things, and I already mentioned them, that helps you to figure out this plan. I said this before because getting the most out of life is not just about getting, it starts with giving. If you want to get more out of life, learn how to be generous. Because generosity is not just about what God wants. Watch this, I can't say this and skip over it. Generosity is not just about what God wants from you. It's about what God wants for you. Do you notice that Paul says when you do this, here's what you get in return. You get to live a God kind of life. It's not just that. Can I just make an announcement? God don't need your money. Can I be honest with you? Most preachers won't tell you that. I'm going to be honest with you. God don't need your money. The, the text says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. It says that the cattle on a thousand, anybody here got cattle? Okay, so let me translate that. He's basically saying that, because in those days, if you had a cattle on a thousand hill, that meant you had something. He says, God has everything. 
So can I be honest with you? Don't think you're doing God a favor when you give. God don't need your stuff. God just wants to know if we're going to have the heart to bless those who are in need. So I gave you these three things before. Number one, if you want to have a plan for being generous, because Paul says have a plan. Number one, make a plan for your time. What is my plan to use my time to be a blessing? So when we say serve and be a part of a city group and help us do things in the church because it's part of our value, have a plan. Decide how many hours a month, how, much, how many days, what days do I have available, how much time do I really have that I say that I'm not having so that I can be generous with my time. Because remember, Paul says it's not just about cutting a check. Some of us have gotten away with that. I throw money at the problem, and I never engage with people in need. He says make a plan to have time to be generous. Here's the second thing. Make plans with your talents to be generous. What has God given me as a gift that I can use to help bless other people, to help bless the church, to help bless this community? Come on, some of you, you just have a gift of administration. You know how to organize some stuff. How can I use that? Can I go to a homeless shelter or a food bank and say, let me help you get organized? Some of you have creativity. You love to decorate. You love to do things. Some of you can bake like nobody's business. You need to bless others and me. Anyway, <laughs> just, I'm saying be generous. You know how to cook. <laughs> he says, what are your talents? And then lastly, he talks about your treasure. Now, here's where I'm going to get into some detail about God's plan for being generous when it comes to the church, because he wants to use your time and your talent. But he says that there's this also this thing called your treasure, your actual literal resources. He says you got to have a plan for it. Well, God has a plan for it in the Bible. And as a church, we believe in this. I know some people don't believe in this, but as a church, we believe in tithes and offerings. God's plan was everybody give 10 percent of your income to the work of the gospel. And that's the way that we can make sure that we're being a blessing. That's the way we can make sure that we're feeding people downstairs. That's the way that we can make sure that we're, as we're preparing for this VBS, so that we can send it out to our community and bring children in at no cost and make sure that we're feeding them every night. That's how that gets done. Now, I want to address something because some people say, well, and I've heard this because there are certain theories, but I want to tell you what we believe about being, having a plan to support the local church. Because some people say, well, tithing was Old Testament as a law. So first, can I debunk that myth? Because tithing preceded the law of Moses. So it was never a law. It was a part of their culture. It was a part of their spirituality. They gave back to God because God had blessed them. And so it wasn't a law. So people say, well, it was part of the law. And Jesus came to do away with the law, which he never said. But can I just tell you, Jesus does address issue of tithing. Matthew 23, 23. He says this, he says, oh, let me find it. Oh, I got it. He says that I want you, he talks, maybe it's on the screen. Nope. Yeah, it is. He says, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you hypocrites. Then he goes on to say, you should tithe. Their problem was that he says you should tithe, but you mean. He says, you should tithe, but you should also do the more important things like justice and love and mercy. In other words, Jesus acknowledges you should give to the church so that the church can be a blessing to the community. The problem with the Pharisees is he says, you give, but you mean. 
you give, but you're, you're ugly. You give, but, but you treat people wrong. He says, you know, no, you should give because that's what we do. The problem is some of us have gotten so used to just giving that we don't know how to treat people. But did you notice that he said you should give? You should tithe? So, so can I debunk the myth that that's something that Jesus did away with? No, he acknowledges that part of what God asks us to do in being generous is to have a plan. Can I just say this? Tithing is simply planned percentage giving. So he says, start with 10. That's a good place to start. I love how he says a percentage because then it doesn't matter what I make, it's equal. Nobody's asked to do any more than anyone else. So whether you're down here or up here, he says, just give a percentage. This is how we get it done. This is how we feed people. This is how we keep the lights on. This is how we make sure that we are welcoming people in. This is how we do it. Jesus said, you should do that, but you also need to love on folks. So he says that there is this thing that we should do, and it's in the Bible. So that's why we believe it as a church. Have a plan. I want to encourage you, if you're not there, start somewhere. Start with two. Start with three. The principle is planned percentage giving. And 10% really is kind of the bottom. He says, this is where you start. This is how you learn to start living that life of generosity. Can I just tell you, I have practiced that principle for years, and I believe it, that when God says when you're generous, he'll take care of you. And I had to learn, even as a young pastor, can I be honest with you, even as a young pastor, when I started off 17, 18 years ago, can I just be honest with you, I struggled with tithing. And even as a pastor, I'm just going to be honest with you, no other pastor is going to tell you this. There were times, even as a pastor, I didn't do it because I was scared. I was scared that God wasn't going to take care of me. But here's what I learned, practical principle, then we'll finish. Here's what I learned, that if I really need that dime off of every dollar, I'm not doing something right with the 90. And so even, even practically it taught me that's not God's fault. He let you keep 90% of what you make. And if I can't manage that 90, that means, and if I need that dime so bad off of that dollar, then I probably spent too much money on stuff that I shouldn't have spent it on. And what it did is it helped me to get more organized in my finances because I realized I shouldn't need it that bad. It's just a dime. It helped me to realize maybe you got too many Jordans. So I had to scale back just a little bit, just a little bit. Here's the last thing. Jesus says this. He says that your heart will follow your treasure. Matthew 6, 21. Wherever your heart, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Here's a principle I don't know that you've ever been taught. You actually have the power to direct where your attraction and your affection goes. Have you noticed that? I have the power to decide where my heart goes. Because Jesus says, wherever you put what's valuable to you, your heart's going to follow right behind it. And I've said this before, I can always tell what people love if I look at their checkbook. Like, you know I love Jordans because you can... But Jesus says, Jesus says, you can actually decide. You don't have to let every whim of this world push you around when it comes to where your heart goes. If you want your heart to be somewhere, you can actually invest in that. And he says, eventually your heart will be there. And I have learned that stuff that I want to love, I give to it. Here's, here's a couple of startling statistics when it comes to 
to giving. Because I want you to see this, because I'm not just talking about this church, I'm talking about the church. It says that, that tithers make up only about 10 to 25 percent of a normal congregation and only 5 percent of the U.S. tithes, those who call themselves Christian. Now, and I want to pause and say, if you're not a Christian or if this is not your church home, you have permission to check out this part. I don't want you to feel pressure in any way. I'm talking to the home team. He said that these are startling statistics he said 80 percent of Americans only give 2 percent of their income to anything. Because the richer we get, the less we give. I don't know that's talking about giving to the church, just being generous, period. He said Christians are only giving at 2.5 percent per capita, while, watch this, during the Great Depression, they gave 3.3 percent. At the time when the country was its poorest, it gave the most. Why? Because the more we get, the less generous we are. Because we settle for getting rich instead of being rich. So, so let me just give you some mind-blowing numbers here. What would happen if all believers were to increase their giving to a minimum of, say, less 10%? What if we all did what God asked us to do? Remember, I'm talking to the home team. If you're not a Christian, if this is not your church home, you can check out. But, but listen to this. There would be an additional $165 billion for churches to use and distribute. Here, here's what they suggest could happen with that. $25 billion could relieve global hunger. $12 billion could eliminate illiteracy in five years. $15 billion could solve the world's water and sanitation issues, specific, specifically at places in the world where 1 billion people live with less than $1 a day. $1 billion could fully fund all overseas missions work. And then, check this out, you would still have 100 to $110 billion to do whatever you needed to do as a church. If everybody just followed God's plan to give we could generate $165 billion. I'm talking about all churches, all Christians, and we could get rid of a lot of problems. And your church still wouldn't go without because you have more than enough to do whatever your local church needs to do. I think God is smarter than we are. He has a plan to take care of all of this stuff that we're waiting on somebody else to take care of. He said, just give a dime off of every dollar. Here's my last statement. Are you, now that we kind of went through it, experiencing what Paul calls true life. Not this pursuit of getting rich, but this pursuit of being rich, being generous, giving to those in need, contributing to places where God is calling us to not look good, but to do good. And, and Paul says, man, when you, when you switch from trying to get rich to being rich, you live this life that is God-sized. You have the essentials, your life will be effective. He says, you, you'll never go without anything and we will address all the issues that we need to address and have some left over. So I want to encourage you, that's a value for us as a church, to be generous. So I'm going to say this, and I told you this before, as a pastor, you know, we're going to tell you what we believe, but I'm not, you're never going to hear me ask you. All I'm going to do is ask you to ask God. God, what can I do? How much more can I be generous? What places do I need to switch my mindset from getting rich to being rich? Let's pray. God, we thank you for this opportunity. God, we thank you for this chance to just look at a very practical part of the Christian life, and that is to live a life of generosity. God, I thank you that at our church we value generosity. Not because you need our money. God, you own everything. As a matter of fact, when we give to you, we're returning what already belongs to you. But God, we want to be the type of people who grow and mature as individuals and as a church to not just trust you with our soul, but we want to trust you with our salary, with our time, with our talent. 
We want to trust you with everything that belongs to you because we trust that you'll take care of us as you call us to take care of others. And so, God, I pray if there's anyone on the sound of my voice who heard this message who may be struggling with that, God, I, help, I pray that they don't feel this message as a message of condemnation, but as a message of information and inspiration that if I do my part, we could solve a lot of the problems that we have in our world and in our community if we just live a life not of trying to get rich, but of being rich. God, we thank you and we love you. And we pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.